Hello, everybody, and welcome to the In the Pocket Podcast, episode 13. It's your host, your boy, Kevin Chip Ginyard. I'm here with a special, legendary episode. I thank y'all for coming through and rocking with me. Um, it's been going for a minute, been working on some things, upgraded my life, and I'm back with some premier, premium content. Yo, y'all not gonna believe this. You're not gonna believe who I have on the show. I have a legend. Tri-state area stand up. Connecticut, New Jersey, East Coast stand up. I got a legend with me, man. Let's get started. Hailing from Brooklyn, the home of Biggie and Jay, the birthplace of Michael Jordan. Now, by the way, from Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, I'm honored to sit down with a true drum legend. This man is one of my greatest inspirations on drums. This legend has played and recorded with some of the biggest names in pop, hip hop, and gospel. He has maintained a successful career for the last three decades, and he's gonna tell us all about it. Man, this dude has shaped my playing. He has shaped a generation of drummers. I've said that for other people, but this is the apex. This is the first dude. He is the godfather of gospel drums and R&B. He has literally changed my life. He has literally opened in my approach to music, the way I carry myself, the way we dress, we wear our hat backwards because of him. We're gonna get into all of that stuff because this dude really changed my life. Let's give it to my homie, my bro, the legend himself, Mr. Gerald G. Stroh Hayward. <laughs> the legend, what up, G? Good stuff, Chip. What's going on, man? man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm honored that you took time out to be with me, man. Like, this means a lot, G. Like, you no, are you, you are my, my my top, man. Like, Mike Clemens, <laughs> Mike Clemens, I, I put only because I put, I grew up with Mike, you know, right. who was in my city. Right. Mike was inspired by you. Right, right. So the chain of command <laughs> comes down. And I mean, right, right, right. everybody who comes on the podcast has talked about you in some fashion. I mean, from Jonathan oh, Dubose all the way to little John Roberts to Brian Fraser Moore. You thank know, you. Every guest has mentioned you in their heroes. I even made this shirt in your honor, man. Like I have my drum heroes. You can see <laughs> I got all of all the deeks, all the revs on here. Oh, Calvin, Aaron, Teddy, Big Mike. Brian, Gerald, Nissan, Little John, <laughs> Doobie, Gordon, and Rex. This is my life. You wow. know what I mean? And this is my tribute it. to y'all, man. These are my heroes. And this Thank is a you. special shirt that I made for you guys and the fans of the In the Pocket podcast. So y'all can hit me up for the shirt to look oh, out because yeah. my boy G is the man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, man. So <laughs> I am grateful. I am honored that you took time to be here, man. You are a busy dude. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I made the flyer for the first set of interviews, and it was Black Friday, dog. We, we, we <laughs> it was November last year. We were trying to get together. Oh, but man. We We've finally made out. Right. Yeah. Right. We've been trying. But, you know, it's good, man. God is good. Um, It's just like, um, you know, to watch you guys do what you're doing now. Um, You know, I can just honestly say, like, I knew you guys when you were very young. Absolutely. <laughs> you were very young, and God placed it you know, placed us, you know, yeah. in, a, in, each, in each other's path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it's so it's so crazy about, you know, the times I was coming to Connecticut and seeing everybody and, yeah. you know, figuring out, you know, we all figure out, like, what is our purpose in life or right. where, where do we, you know, where do we sit on this historic, Yeah, I called it like a historic thing. Like, yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, watching Mike, might grow up, you know, watching Will and you, yeah. and, you Darnell. know, everybody in Darnell. So yeah. it's like, and even uh, Joey, Joey from um, from uh, uh, what is it? Uh, J.C. White's church, but before yeah, J.C. White's church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew, okay, wow. I knew. So you know, like Bishop Williams, he had uh, Church of God in Christ International. Mm -hmm. And that church that JC has mm -hmm. was under the wow, yeah, Coach International. International, yep. So I met those guys, those set of musicians. Joel, you're talking about Joel, some Joel, yeah. Joel. Oh man, it's my I'm man. They used to play the organ. He was Eric Lord, Rich yep. Lord, yeah. him, yeah. Um, the Keith bass Harper. player, Keith Harper, my man that passed away. Keith, yeah. Um, so, so it's like I have so much history. Yes. With Connecticut and itself. So it's like one side of Connecticut I was privy to when I was younger. And then the other side of Connecticut when I came with Stanley and Bishop mm -hmm. Walker to, you know, to Bishop Moles. Bishop Moles, right. You know I mean? So yeah. it's like 
I had both sides of Connecticut on lock. And then, then you got the then you got the doobie side. And then the doobie side. side. Then the then the doobie side. So the doobie side, I I got privy to the doobie side because of my uncle Butch. Yeah. My uncle Butch and um Doobie's father was really close friends yep and um you know at you know at UNAC or mm -hmm. you know any of the church god in christ conventions yeah you know uncle butch and and doobie's father was like the man. you know hubert was like they were tight and That's i right. remember i remember them doing organ lines man oh. and they being behind each other in the organ line and it's like <laughs> everybody was sitting down playing yeah. <laughs> so you know, and I, I remember, Doobie, I remember Jeff Davis bringing me to Hubert Powell's church yeah. and meeting Doobie when he was very young yes. and really into drums and all of that stuff. So, yeah, so I got like some history with, with Connecticut as a whole and yeah. then then y'all separately, mm -hmm. like each yep. one of y'all separately, like we have some history, so. Absolutely, man. You're talking mm -hmm. that legend talk already. <laughs> So let me tell you my funny story. So we had, huh. we had, I had never seen you before. I had only uh -huh. heard you because this is like 92, 93. Uh -huh. So the legend and the urban legend of Gerald was all out, you know, reading albums and all that <laughs> stuff. I'll make it all that stuff. Right. You know, we were all checking that stuff out, but we never saw you because remember kids, there was no internet. There was no, you, right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yes. had to go see, you had to yeah. buy the albums. You had to save your money and get the albums, the yeah. vinyl and the, and the tapes and the CDs. And listen. And listen, right, listen. So there was no YouTube. We didn't know who our favorite drummers right. were. We just had to read the credits and like learn who they were. Yeah. And so yeah. this is like 92, 93. I heard that you came to Connecticut for a workshop with Stanley. And this is where you met Mike. Yeah. And Mike mm -hmm. came home and was telling everybody about you because you absolutely <laughs> burned the city down <laughs> at this church called Full Gospel. Right. With Dave Brown and all them dudes invited you down. Right. And so... That that began our interest in you. We started listening to the records and learning more about you. Um, uh -huh. It took then you went on the road, and then the Mary, the uh, the Black Street era of, of Gerald was oh, out. Okay, and so we all watching VH1 and VT and like seeing you on TV. <laughs> so that's the only way we saw you. So right. By the time I got of age and I'm like professionally can play and like gig and stuff. Right. Um, it was with Youthful Praise and Mike. Right. Had, you came to the show at Ben Salem, yeah, you but you came to see you came to see Mike, yes. <laughs> and I, Mike wasn't there. I was playing. He was like, "Mike ain't here, man." Oh man. Well, you know so that's that, where I live. That's, yeah, that's the church that I go to, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so we came there. You were swole that Mike wasn't playing and all that. So I was like, all the pressure just heaped up on me. I'm like, uh, oh man, you don't want to hear me play. I'm so. And I had I had one of my like first ever crash and burn moments because I was so worried about pleasing you and making oh, sure that I, I did good in front of you, that I just crazy. totally wiped out everything that right. I, I practiced and rehearsed. And I think, right. you know, that really changed my way of playing and, and my right. trying to tune everything out and not worry Lacks about around. Yeah, just yeah, play. yeah. You but that was, that was a crash and burn moment and wow. because I was so nervous to play in front of you, man. That's but, a um, crazy story, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was the early 2000s and like after that, you know, I, I definitely tightened up. But man, yeah. that was... I was so honored and enamored by your presence because it was my first time actually probably seeing you and getting to play in front of you. Right. Um, it, it totally wow. messed me up. I was so hyped. So you know, you know what's crazy is it's so many stories like that. And um, you know, and it just comes from basically like, you know, traveling with heads and like, you know, showing up at people's anniversaries yeah. or, you know, whatever their church, you know, because like you know, people like Gordon Campbell oh, I'm or sure. like Warren Campbell or, you know, all of them guys, like, I have met them, like, in the same type of setting. It's yes. like, yo, we come coming with the choir and mm -hmm. we're going to play, like, me and Lil John. Like, yeah. I, I met Lil John in Philly and me and Lil John played on this album together, wow. um, Bruce Parham's. Yeah. And it's me and Lil John playing on that album. Wow. And, you know, like, and then me meet moving here and meeting Brian. Yeah. You know, even Todd Tribbett and his brother was just keyboard mm -hmm. playing the bass player, like playing for people. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a lot of stories that have that same type of vibe that it's like, yo, like I met Gerald Haywood at this point. Oh at yeah. Time, at this, you know what I mean? And 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 I'm so I'm so like, you know, just godly honored 
yeah. you know, at this point, because it's like, you know, you don't never know who you're touching. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I can't, I can't ever um, be sad about my contribution to, you know, the drumming community and my contribution to, you know, um, I feel like, you know, it's like reaching back to give information to you guys, you know, you right. got that, that were planning on coming where I was, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, but that, it, that is the whole purpose of this podcast, bro. Yeah. Um, in the pocket means to find your niche and find your groove. When you lock into the pocket, you lock into the beat as you have taught yeah. us for all these years. And we're just helping people find their niche in life and in their, yeah. in their career. It's not just music. It's acting. It's sports. Whatever it is, find yeah. your groove and lock into it. And that's what my, my show is about. Oh, and I have cool. the legend with me, man. <laughs> Gerald G. Stroh Hayward. Hey, man, where did G. Stroh come from? Um, So I used to go to this barbershop in, um, in Brooklyn mm -hmm. that Biggie Smalls went to and Undius and a whole bunch of like street pharmacist type dudes <laughs> right. you know that made the transition from that to music right and um i used to sit around i used to sit around the barbershop and i had a nickname jeda so g-e-e-d-a mm -hmm. and then i had gistro and my barbara my barbara charlie guess his name is guess um he gave me that name no. and that's that's what it was so right. but it's like so the crazy thing is um the year before Biggie passed and the year he passed, I spoke to him wow. twice. Um, I spoke to him each year at the Soul Train Awards. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he would say, yo, Jita, what's up? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And he would call me that. Wow. And, um, and uh, the first year was the year when he ran into Tupac. Yeah. When he was leaving. Wow. Yeah, so the Shrine Auditorium, they have like in the back, it's like one way in, one way out. Yeah. Um, not unless the the actual uh garage door is open, right? Mm -hmm. So I talked to Biggie, I don't know, I said something to him and he was like, Yeah, man, what's good to see you, whatever, whatever. And then he walked out. And when he walked out, then that's when Tupac pulled up Whoa. in the car with Suge and everybody. Yeah. Right? So that was that year. So then the next year. Um, I seen Biggie and he was like, I was like, yo, man, you all right? Like, you don't, you don't seem like yourself. Yeah. He was like, oh man, you know, I got to fly to London tomorrow. You know, I don't like flying. Yeah. So Biggie wasn't really big on flying. Like he hated flying. Yeah, right. So he was like, man, I'm stressed out, G. He's like, I'm stressed out because I got to fly. And it's then that was the night he went to the party and they, they killed him. Wow. Yeah. But I, I did, I had a conversation with him that night. But you were at that legendary Source Awards, the East Coast. Oh, yeah. got love for, for oh, yeah. Super Dr. Yeah. Dre. You when, he, when he had the small shoes and yeah, the whole yeah, thing. yeah, like the yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. But Biggie yeah. used to be a kid that was just in the barbershop all yeah. day. Like we was all in the barbershop. Like that was the hangout spot. That's you know? dope. Yeah. This man is from real Brooklyn, not not this gentrified <laughs> Brooklyn. He's from the real Brooklyn. I'm from the real Brooklyn. From man. the real BK. <laughs> and and the crazy thing is, um, um, my my best friend, mm -hmm. who I grew up with, my best friend, um, he is Jay Z's first cousin. Wow! Mark. So his father and Jay Z's mom is sister and brother. And he used to always he used to always say it to me like, "Yo, Jay Z's mom is my cousin." We like, yeah, right. You lying? <laughs> you lying? And I'm on I'm on tour with Beyonce, and. She said something to me. I, I I haven't said anything to her, but she said something to me. Yeah. And I said something, something, son, or whatever. And she was like, yo, you sound just like my boyfriend. <laughs> and I said, I said, oh, yeah. She said, where you from? You know, she said, she said, you from Brooklyn, ain't you? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. She was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you sound just like my boyfriend. It's all right, cool. <laughs> So a few minutes pass, you know, I got off the drums. We was going to the back or whatever. And Jay-Z comes walking up. Wow. And then she she introduces me to him or whatever. It's all good, right? So I was yeah. like, okay, cool. She's like, uh, so then the next day, the next day he comes back around and he comes over to me. He goes, yo, why you ain't tell me you family? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, you, what you talking about, bro? You're he right. was like, yo. Your best friend is my first cousin. And I'm like, 
I was like, yeah, Pop. His name is Pop. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> he was like, he was like, yeah. He's like, yo. He told me that you know, you got him out of the out of the pharmacy business. And yeah. Got him going to church and all of this stuff Dope. and everything like that. So you know, cause he's my best friend, man. That's my heart, man. That's my dude. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, you know, uh, you know, fast forward, Jay Z was like, yo, you family, man. Don't, you know, you gotta say something. But yeah. I, I never say. I know somebody because of somebody. Of course. Because no. because their relationship could have been bad. And right. then I bring up the name and it'd be, <laughs> it'd be like, nah. Are you with them? Nah, you gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> so, nah. I, I dig had, it, man. I had a situation like that one time with Tommy Matola. And I was working with new kids on the block. And Jesus. I was in the Sony building. This is when they first built it. And I'm at rehearsal early, you know, I'm walking around, whatever, and this guy's coming towards me. And he comes towards me and, and he go, hey, man, how you like the building? How you like, you know, I was like, oh, man, this is great. You know, we just started rehearsing, whatever. And he was like, oh, cool. He's like, what's your name? I was like, my name is Gerald, Gerald Haywood. And he was like, all right, I'm Tommy Matola. I was like, oh, man, I heard your name before. Yeah. He was like, yeah, who'd you hear my name from? And I told him the person that I heard his name from. Yeah. And <laughs> and then he was like, "Okay, man, I'll talk to you later." Oh. <laughs> and he just walked away. You should have said the song. <laughs> now, this so is way before the song. So this, so this is how I learned. This is how I learned yeah. to not mention other people's names course, because yeah. you don't know what their relationship was. You know what yeah. I mean? Right, right, right. So you know, but that's you know, just a lesson learned. Yes, it's sir. A, you know. So. Major lesson learned. You see, yep. G's giving out free game already. We ain't even get started yet, and he's telling you what to do. That's good stuff, man. Yep. This is episode 13 of the In the Pocket Podcast with the legend, the godfather of drums, period. That's it. Just <laughs> just any anybody who plays drums, he's your godfather. All right. My guy, Gerald G. Stro Hayward, man. Um, yep. So talk about the old Brooklyn, man. Tell me about growing up, institutional, your love right. for drums, where all that came from. So, so... Um, I tell the story often, you know, I played the congas. I didn't play the drums. Yeah. And um, the drummer stopped coming to church. And I got on the drums one Sunday and everybody's like, yo, you should play the drums. Wow. And then that's where my love for the drums came. Because what it is, is, you know, you know this, like, if you're coming from being a percussion player mm -hmm. to being a drummer, mm -hmm. your feet don't work. Nah. <laughs> so no. your feet don't work but the craziest thing was my feet was my biggest asset to this day i hope you got them insured <laughs> so, so my foot was my biggest asset because i didn't know rudiments or anything like that so you read you, this, you don't read you know i um i kind of you know stuff that i was hearing steve gad do or joe mm -hmm. smith or anybody like that like my so wait you wait you don't you don't read music Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. No, I can't I can't read. I can't read music. I can That's only amazing. read a book. But That's amazing, I bro. I can't read music, but um I'll tell you about that too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because I made attempts to try to read music at some point. But gotcha. I right. but but um but yeah, you know, so normally, you know, uh, a person that comes from playing kungas to drums, mm -hmm. their feet don't work. Right. And like I said, the feet the foot was my biggest asset. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing on top. Yeah. But anything that I heard, my translation of it was the bass drum. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, the bass drum made the translation of anything that, like, if I heard Gab playing something and he'd be like, oh, this is Rattamacue or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I don't hear that. I mm -hmm. hear flutters on the bass drum mm -hmm. and i hear singles on the top yeah and that was my version of what what he was playing what he was playing yeah, yeah, yeah. and when i met him and i played it for him he was like you ain't get that from me <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, you ain't get that from me but at the same time that became that became gerald haywood that became, yeah you know what i mean that yeah. became who who God placed me on the earth to be, yeah. or, you know, the, the talent that I had was that it was mm -hmm. like, yo, I translate everything to the bass drum. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, the, 
the toms was add-ons. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bass drum was doing all the work. Right. And the toms was add-ons. Gotcha. So, you know, triplets or whatever I was doing, I was doing triplets and stuff just with the bass drum. Mm -hmm. And so it's like if I'm if I'm playing triplets on the bass drum and then hitting singles on the floor tom, yeah. it's going to sound like I'm doing a whole bunch of beats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, be but that became my aggressive you know new york style of drumming of you know what i mean this is how this is what my presentation is this yes. is how i hear it yeah and, and this is what i think it is right you know um one one thing i want to say to you uh we have gone from the era of hearing to seeing and and the reason why i say that is because you know when we were younger and we were studying music and studying drummers and different things like that we would put on a record, put on the record and we'll sit there and we'll sit mm -hmm. there and we try to figure it out, man, is he hitting a 10 inch Tom? Is he like, does he have an eight inch Tom? What, what's going on? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And we keep putting the record back and putting mm -hmm. it back, and putting it back. And then the tapes came and we would rewind the tapes. Then the CDs came and then yeah. we play the song over and over and over. And then we move ahead. We move ahead. We move ahead. We get to, we get to, uh, you know, uh, Betamax, yeah, the VHS, <laughs> yeah, we get to all of that. That's seeing, yeah, so, so, Visual. Here, so we go on to seeing, and we get to this day and age. I mean, you get you get you get Betamax, you get VHS, you get laser discs, you mm -hmm. get DVDs, yeah, all that, right, right. Then you get then you get MySpace, yeah, then you, go, then you go from MySpace to to YouTube, YouTube to whatever and that's seeing yeah and and the kids nowadays they have a one up because all they all they do is go yo uh yeah I hear Steve Gabb playing such and such but let me just punch that in yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah look he he hitting a tennis time he hitting yeah. a four time he hitting okay yeah 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 I got it you know what I mean totally different where, where we so that was the description of you know from hearing to seeing and it's, it's so technical now but yeah. i feel like they lose the musicality and i don't want to sound like the old dude in the barbershop oh, yeah. or the old head oh yeah but like they lose the heart of the playing because mm -hmm. of because it's all visual and not yeah. cognitive from their mind where they have to tie in what they hear and then play yeah. their interpretation of it like my first time hearing you we i went to the church to try to do what you did by putting right. my little Walkman in my ears and trying right. to mimic what you did. You know what I mean? Right, 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 Spending, right, right. going. I mean, my mom would give, had the key to, to the church and I would go to church after high school, me and my boys, and we right. would leave and go practice. That was yeah. what we did. And we would put music on and try yeah. to emulate what we heard. Yeah. And I think you can't replace that, you know. So, so just to add on to what you're saying, you know, the ear wasn't being trained anymore. Right. And the eyes was being trained. Yeah. So it's like, you know, your hearing is not, you're not practicing. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're just practicing seeing. Yeah. And, and when you, when you, uh, when you go that route, it changes all study habits. It changes yeah. everything that you, you know, you try to do. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, like, like there's no special people no more. Now mm -hmm. I, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it to you like this. So like, you know, where, where we from, you know, at our church and our community and where right. we were from, we were great at what we were doing. Our parents loved it. Our church loved it. Yeah. The community loved it. And we were special yes. in our space. Right. Right. But now that the Internet is here, um, you know, like you see the little kids and you see them play and stuff on the Internet. And that's cool. But then when you see them at Nam, it's no wow factor mm. because you you got it all out by yeah. watching on the internet. Yeah, sure. So it's no wow factor no more. Right. Whereas it's no mystery. Like, you know, yeah, like like when we used to go and we used to go to each other's churches for the anniversaries and stuff, and it's like, oh man, you hear that fool on them drums? Yeah. Like you see what I'm saying? And it's yeah. like you discover somebody like you discover the people like that. 
Yeah. And now it's like, yo, it's just on the internet and you can see it all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's and what I'm saying about you. Like the urban legend yeah. of you until you finally, you can hear a tape of CD, but then when you actually see the person, I remember yeah. that feeling. I'm 43. I remember <laughs> that feeling of seeing you. I remember that feeling of seeing Thomas Pridgeton the first yeah. time. Like, oh my God, like, what yeah. is this? You know what I mean? Just hearing yeah. different... Aaron, I remember Aaron when he was Gideon being Aaron, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Before, yeah. before any yeah. deals and in the hype, you know what I mean? Like he was yeah. just. I remember going on the road and just seeing him, like so. I I remember, and I, <laughs> the kids don't understand that, and it's it's something yeah. for our generation to hold and remember. But yeah. we also can pass out the information that we acquired from that, and hopefully, Man, it's help somebody. It's one thing that uh, Thomas said to me like a couple of years ago. And I love Thomas, man. He's just like great. He's always been a great kid. Absolutely. Um, but he was, he was a special kid. So, you know, some people didn't know how to, some people didn't know how to appreciate his specialness. Yeah. Like they didn't know, you know what I mean? Because it's like, you know, get this little kid out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> you know, Thomas had endorsements when he was 12 years old and Absolutely. stuff like that. Yeah. You, know, you know, so... Um, one thing he said to me, he said, man, he said, it's crazy because when he looks on the internet, everybody's trying to play like us, mm -hmm. the quote unquote black drummer. Yeah. You know what I mean? The gospel drummer. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like everybody from China to New Zealand to wherever. Yeah. Or trying to play like us. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was like, you know, Thomas, like you drunk, like be quiet. <laughs> what are you talking about? You right. know what I mean? Um, and then I had to like, one day I thought about it because I was on the internet and I was like, every person that I pull up, it's like, so when I go to do, when I go to do drum shows, right? I go to do a drum show. So let's say I go to do a drum show in Paris, right? Right. And I get to Paris and everything's cool. The people that brings me, bring me there, come pick me up in the car and, you know, we go and they tell me, you know, on our way to go, yo, such and such is our best drummer in Paris. He's amazing. <laughs> and he's playing on the show with you tonight. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'll meet him at the sound check. So I yeah. meet him at the sound check or whatever. And he starts playing and I'm sitting there and I'm like, mm. all right. So you listen to Chris Dave. Yeah, you can hear it. <laughs> you listen to Thomas Prison. Yeah. You got a little bit of me in there. There's right. Aaron. There's. And, but in Paris, he's special. He's, he's, he's genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, no, he studied, this is the stuff. This yeah. like, he's not even masking it. <laughs> it's like, I know where that come from. Right. I know where that come from. Mm -hmm. So I just been having like a big, you know, uh, it's kind of like unbalanced you know, with me on my thoughts. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, I'm not an old bitter drummer. I'm not yeah. that. Nah. But what I am is I'm, I'm the type of person that I feel that everybody needs to say where, what they're studying yeah. or where it comes from or, gotcha. you know, what made them their inspiration. You know, yeah. Yeah. What goes, you know, what goes with what you hearing, you know what right. I mean? And, um, you know, when I got a chance to meet Steve Gadd, it was like, yo, hands down, bro. I, I studied you for half of my, you know, child life and then all of my adult life. <laughs> like, yeah. I just studied you. I, and, and it was just listening. It was just listening. It never was like, I want to sit down and try to play that. It mm -hmm. never was that. It was just, I just had it listening. My ear gates was open yeah. to it. And that was it. Exposing you, know? you. But I think the thing about Steve Gadd, as a yeah. church drummer... Yeah. I think a lot of us listened to him because the yeah. way he played was so musical and it was something that we could take from him and apply yeah. it to our music, even on Sunday morning. Like, you know That's what I mean? True. Like we could hear what he did on a record, on a drum show yeah. at Zildjian Day, whatever he did. We could yeah. listen to it and be like, oh, I could do that. Or I could yeah. take this and put this there. I, I personally have done certain right. things. Oh, but yeah. like, you know, you know, it's inspiring. And I think we, a lot of yeah. us were drawn to Steve from that, that, that yeah. kind of his approach. Yeah. And I, I talked to him, I talked to him maybe you know, once every two months, Dope. you know, just pick up the phone and call him and just, you know, be kicking it with him. And, you know, one thing uh, he's played over, I don't know, 2,000 or 5,000 recordings. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would, I would always call him, pick his brain and be like, so, man, when you played such and such, what was you thinking? What was your thought process? Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, he played uh, Sanford and Son. Wow. That's him on Sanford and Son. That's him. Quincy Jones Good. produced that too, right? Huh? Quincy Jones produced that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's him on uh, Good Times. Wow. That's it. So because I did the history of Steve Gadd, because I was always trying to find or seeing records with his name on the back of it, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just made me inquisitive all the time. Yes. Because, you know, he had a certain sound. Mm-hmm. So once the record came on, when, when it, whenever the drummer went to go play a role, mm-hmm. that 10-inch tom be humming. Yeah. Like, hum, 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 hum. That's yeah. all day. Yeah. You know, Dave Weckle came with the upgraded version, but still, that was Gad all yeah, first, day. Yeah. And right. so, so like little things like that, that I studied, that I watched, and, you know, I was talking to him about it. And I'm like, yeah, so I heard you played the snare drum for seven years before you mm-hmm. played the drum set. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, how you know that? Like, man, I study, <laughs> man. Like, <Yeah. laughs> like, I study that sort of stuff. You know what Got I mean? You. And, yeah. um, yeah, and like half of that stuff, he didn't even remember he played on it. Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, God God made it so I was able to meet him, and I'm cool with him and his wife, Miss Carol, and wow. you know, so so. But it's like he was a really big portion, along with Jeff, mm-hmm. along with Joel, along with you know mm-hmm. all of these people that was in my circumference yeah, right you know what i mean that was so who was your greatest influence in your early days it had to be gad okay. it had to be um i mean it was so many people it was like steve ferroni it was like because i was just listening to everything that i can get my hands on you know mm-hmm. billy cobham yeah. and dennis and like so all of these guys like i said i never wanted to sit down and kind of mimic their chops mm-hmm. but i i just I guess I was just taking an approach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the approach was any anything that I heard, it's like, oh, that's amazing. But because I'm from New York, I would always bring it out as aggression. Of course, yeah. It's aggression. Cause we got, you know, we got all these good drummers in New York. So yep. what what makes me stand out? Right. You know, what makes me stand out? And that was the aggression. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's a guy that nobody really knows about. His name was Monte Greer. Wow. And Monte Greer, dog, Chip, when I tell you he <laughs> had the fastest foot wow. ever, like, I never heard nobody play the bass drum like that. Jeez. And so I would, his mom was my godmother. Okay. So I would play at their church all the time, play the kungas, mm-hmm. but I'm hearing the drums. Yeah. I'm hearing the drums. Right. So I'm learning a a certain approach to the drums, but while I'm playing the kungas. Right, right, right. And and that, like I'm telling you, if you ask anybody, man, about Monte Greer. Monte Greer. And he was the first drummer for um for uh Tremaine wow. after after Joel. After like, Joel. It was Monte Greer, this guy named Michael Fisher, and David Frazier. Wow. And they played for like Donnie McClurkin at in the beginning. Yeah. For BB and CC. Wow. They played for Tremaine. And yo, Monte. Cold. Super yo, cold. And yo, there used to be this group called uh AGE wow. from Brooklyn. Anthony Evans and AGE. And Monte used to play with them. And you man, when people when they used to come to people's church. It's yeah. like, yo, I ain't never heard nothing sound like that before. That's dope. And he only had two toms, a cowbell, two crash cymbals, snare drum, hi-hat, no floor tom. But it was like, you didn't miss it. You didn't wow. miss it. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it. So, wow. Yeah. So Shout you know, out to Monte Greer, man. Yo, Monte Greer is, man, he was the dude, bro. He was so, a dude, low key in Brooklyn. <laughs> that's dope. That's dope. So, yeah. um, you said you moved to drums from the Kungas. Yeah. Um, I, I heard a story about your first kit. Tell me about that. The My somebody first... tried to steal your first kit, your first drum set. Okay, so I got the drum set from Forty Eighth Street Manny's. Right. Um, this guy. This guy named Steve sold me the drum set. He was actually married to 
uh, Buddy Rich's daughter. Sheesh. Right. So, all right. So, um, I got the drum set. My grandmother had two jobs to get me the drum set. It was a Tama kit. The color was Royal Pewter. Um, it's actually the I'll Make It kit. It's the one I used on I'll Make It. And um, how many pieces? It was uh, it was six, ten, mm. twelve, fourteen, sixteen, wow, twenty-two inch bass drum and a snare drum. 14 wow. snare drum and the hardware for $1,125. Never forget the price. <laughs> That's so, so, so we, we brought the kit, everything, took it home. The same night, my church choir was going to D.C. Oh. And I took the drums out the boxes and everything. Now, I'm living in bed style. So I took the drums out the boxes, put the boxes outside, mm. and then we went to go meet the bus to go to dc and um no cases huh no, no cases. cases so that's why i was dead wrong so my grandma was like yo why you bring them drums out without no cases <laughs> but okay took the drums anyway got them they under the bus they you know we good i yeah. take them there we take i set them up it's going crazy so everybody loving them whatever come back home front doors open oh my god so i'm like Yo, why is the front door open? The front door was open because they was in the house looking for drums. Oh, man. Because they seen all the boxes outside. Yeah. <laughs> Yo. So that was my story with the... And that drum set, I still have it. Uh, Jamal has it at his house. but Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I still have. And that was the I'll Make It kit. That wow. was that was what I used on I'll Make It on All Over Praise You. Um <laughs> It been to a couple of uh, UNACs when they used to call it UNAC. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. Um, so that was that kit. A lot of history, and I still have it. And I actually brought. I seen a used one, the same kit used, and it had like I ain't gonna lie, it had about thirteen pieces to it. Wow! And I found I found a picture. Is this it? Yep, that's it. Royal. That's Dope. <laughs> Them tongs wasn't that big, though. Nah, 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 nah. Was, my stuff was all right. Nah, that looks like, <laughs> like it's missing some pieces, but yeah, that, right. that's the color and the vibe. Yep, well, that was it, man. Tama. And I, I, the reason why I brought that kit was because um, my first concert I ever went to was Billy Joel. Okay, totally. So I used to listen to, to Liberty DeVito. Yes. And he had kit like that, and so mm -hmm. did Stuart Copeland. Yeah. No, Tam. So Tama was, you know, Tama was it. Yeah, and of course. It's crazy because when I moved out to Pennsylvania, you know, the Tama warehouse is right mm -hmm. here. Tama right. and Ibanez is right. right here around the corner from my church, actually. Totally. So, but uh, yeah, that was like one of my favorites. But, you know, like people like Bobby Walker, mm -hmm. Bobby Walker from Brooklyn, he had a Tama kit. Yeah. Like, you know, Tama was the thing. It was a joint. I had a Tama in my church. I had, a, I had the, the same kit you had. I had yeah. it in silver, like it was a Imperial Star or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. With the gray wood, mm -hmm. the ones, the best sounding ones, with that gray wood in the inside. So I brought another kit, just like it was a thirteen piece. It was at mm -hmm. Guitar Center, and I paid two hundred fifty dollars for it, and Whoa. I had it. <laughs> and it's the same kit, but it's in yeah. gold. That's crazy. All gold. That yeah, and crazy. it's it's amazing. It sounds really good. So you <laughs> they did, got like you hydraulic did. heads on it or something. But. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> right. So you did all these sessions and and all these things coming up. But like, when did you realize like I have a gift? Um, I honestly never realized it wow. because uh, I put it to you like this: uh, the way that I started playing R and B music was a weird trans transformation basically but before r&b right before huh? r&b you, you were well special. well well before like said. well i mean just the fact that my church and my uncle and everybody was telling me that i really should play the drums yeah that that was my main goal after that okay. you know what i mean but you know um there was also saying you should learn how to read music mm -hmm. man i had a i had a teacher up at Drummers Collective. Okay. You know, I hired someone at Drummers Collective. And I was like, yeah, so um, I need you to teach me how to read music. So he's one of the top dudes up there. So it's like, all right, we, we sit down. 
Um, I paid $30, you know, back then that was a lot of money of for, for an hour session. Mm-hmm. And, um, he goes, all right, we're going to play a beat. And then, you know, the fourth bar, you play a fill and then go around and then I'm going to play a fill. Right. So it's like, all right, cool. So we playing, boom, boom, you know, he come out the gate on me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, but that boom, psh, that boom, right. that boom psh. you know, I'm that, I'm that the whole yeah, time, yeah. right? So I heard him play the same thing twice. Mm-hmm. Once he played the same thing twice, then I started playing what I know. Yeah. And he was like, wait, 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 wait stop, stop, stop. <laughs> He's like, you'll play that slow. And I was like, all right. So I played it slow. I showed him what I was doing. He's like, all right, good. We play it again. So he's like, He's like, go. And I, I just go. I yeah. go. I, I go. And then he's like, oh, man, this is amazing. Cool. Session's over. Come back the next week. We're doing the same thing yeah. again. And I'm like, bro, when are you going to teach me how to read music? Yeah. He said, oh, I don't know how to read music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what you mean? That's why. That's why. I'm here. You got my sixty dollars, man. He's like, I can't read music. I just know how to play, like you. He's like, and he's like, he's like, yo, just slow some of the stuff down so I can get it. I'm like, what? You were teaching like, him learning all of my stuff. Like, yo, I'm out, son. I'm out. So, so, so to answer your question, every time I tried to make an attempt. Yeah. To learn how to read music and better myself, yeah, drum wise, and yeah. try to put me in spaces where I would be reading, yeah, or whatever. It just never worked out. Yeah. Like when I, I moved down here, right? I moved down here like in like 95, 94, or something like that. And um, I found this little mom and pop um music shop, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this old man in the back teaching how to read music, wow. drum music. Yeah. So I go in there and I go, yo, can I get some lessons? Blah blah blah. He's like, yeah, you know, thirty dollars. Blah blah blah. Like, he didn't oh. see your face on the bo- on the remote box. Go <laughs> check it out. <laughs> so go in there. I do the one lesson. It's cool. We on the pads. We doing it. I'm like, okay. I'm feeling like I'm I'm making some progress, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I come back the next week. I walk in the store and it's like all these people in the store. Yeah. And. I walk in and I'm like, Dad, what's going on? So this then uh, somebody come over to me and go, is this you on this book? <laughs> and I, Cover blown. <laughs> I go, yes. And then the old man come out the back and I was like, oh, I got a star. <laughs> so I never ever went back. Yeah. I never, I never ever went back. Because it's like, you know, I don't, I don't want y'all to see that. It wasn't that. Fortnite, right? Just, yeah, I want to. I'm like stripping myself yeah. to kind of better myself. Make yourself and vulnerable to be, to better yourself. Yeah, but they wouldn't let me, they nah. wouldn't let me do it, man. At what at what age did people start asking you to play? Um well, so I'm a late bloomer. Okay. You know, you yourself, Mike, all the rest of you guys probably started at, you know, two, three years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? I started at 10. Mm. Because remember, the Kungas was the yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And um, I, I consider myself a late bloomer compared to everybody else. Um, so, yeah, around, around you know, 10 years old, maybe 11. Okay. Something like that. And, um, you know, I was attached to the hip of Jeff Davis. Yes. At some point, you know what I mean? Like, I learned so much from Jeff. And, he, mm-hmm. you know, he schooled me and, and really taught me a lot about yeah drums mm-hmm. about playing in church and about you know things that i should do and things that i shouldn't do mm-hmm. you know um he he always tried to calm down my aggression yeah. on drums <laughs> because he was like when you get when you get older and you start really playing musically mm-hmm. you know yeah you know people are gonna say you whack because mm-hmm. they used to the, the aggression out. Yeah. They used to the aggression. They used to you attacking these songs. And it's like, yo, he's like, yo, you got to stop doing that. You got to yeah. stop. You got to stop making it so the drummer stand around the drums. You can't do that. Mm. And I, I mean, you know, like, it's like, you know, what, what we did was, you know, Sunday night, we 
play in church and all day Sunday. And then Monday, I'm practicing something for next Sunday. For next Sunday, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm getting ready. I was like, yo, I'm going to kill him with this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but Jeff always told me, he was like, yo, you got to, you got to calm it down because when you get to a space where you just want to play the song yeah. and not really be as boisterous as you are, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to change everybody's perspective of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's going to kind of put you in a space where it's like, oh, that nigga whack. He ain't, mm. he ain't saying nothing no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and we've all been through those stages where it's like, yo, they love me at my church. Like I play for the church. I play for the crowd. Like, like I'm keeping 100. Like, yeah. that was the vibe. That was the vibe, yeah. <laughs> that was the vibe. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's like, you know, running into people like Aaron and Jamal and all these guys. And it's like, everybody just has that same aggression. Yeah. And it's like, yo, Uncle G, like we learned that from you. Absolutely. We learned, we learned speaking with the aggression on the drums from you. And I'm like, yo, that's great. That's great. But I probably would do a disservice to you if I didn't tell you to play like, like Jeff told me, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I probably would have to tell you like, yo, kind of calm it down, kind of be, in the background, kind of move the band. Don't, yeah. you know what I mean? Don't be yelling over the band, right. but that's what the, it became a style and it yeah. became, it became what everybody wanted. Absolutely. So I went, when I went and started playing R and B and I came with that aggression, people was going, yo, who's the drummer? I want mm -hmm. the drummer. Or yeah. it's like, if I can't have him, where's there more like him? Yes. You know, where, where can I get that? You know? And you opened the door, though. You opened the door, at least on the East Coast. I don't, I can't speak for the West Coast, but you right. opened the door for for us to walk through right. any opportunities that we got. It was your shaping of the way your presentation, how you played, and it was right. the blueprint. Like when you come in, you got a lock to the click, you got right. a lock to the track, the NPC before it yeah. was Pro Tools and all that stuff, or the 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 rolling drum machine, whatever you was playing to, you yeah. got a lock to it. You got to make your presence known, but yeah. you can't you can't let the machine outwork you. You yeah, gotta, you know what I mean. We learned all that from you, bro. The mm -hmm. accents, you know, the triplets <laughs> on the floor, Tom. I mean, I'm a student, bro. Like, right, right. seriously, like the yeah. accents on the splash, the china, the popcorn yeah. sneer on the left side. <laughs> I'm telling you, G, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a student, dog. Right. I got the footage, like the popcorn sneer high up right, on the right, left right. side, the right. big china on the on the right, man. Right. Like, it, it just was a way of life, bro. Like side sneers, like nobody was doing that, man. Right. Like, who who invented? I want to ask you who like who invented like changing your shoes? Like was that you that started that? <laughs> Where cats used to change it, so, put a sneaker so, on. So like I'm saying, I was around Monte Greer. Okay. Monte used to bring a sneaker. Okay. You know he have his church shoes on, but yep. he would take the sneaker off to play the bass drum. Uh, he put the sneaker on to play the bass drum. Wow. So that was a thing that I seen him do, and then I started carrying my sneaker around. That and doing you. that, and it was like, oh, this is just real comfortable. It's real comfortable, and it looks fly. <laughs> it looks, it looked like, oh snap, yo, look at that, like yo, mm -hmm. you know what yeah. I mean. So, um, you know, swagger, swagger just became like I don't even know how to really, really put it, but it's like you had to have a swagger with Bro, things. You know, what I, I mean? believe that I believe that that is like ten percent of why people call you. <laughs> Because it, oh yeah, the 90% yeah. is drums, right? You're amazing yeah. at what you do, but I feel like that 10% is what you bring to the stage, dog. Like, yeah. we carry book bags because of you, we we carry our piccolos. In a, <laughs> like, you don't understand. We, first of all, piccolos in general, right? We right. All, like, for, I can speak for the east coast, I can't speak for nowhere else. But I can speak, I grew up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, I was an hour and 20 minutes away from you in Brooklyn. Like, right. we everything you did. Came down ninety five, bro, and, and, right. it, and it hit home. <laughs> I mean, like seriously, like we all wanted to be like you, and it's just like it's a surreal moment for me to finally tell you all this. But like, right, the side, yeah. like you had a side snare. Me and Darnell went to um guitar, uh, Sam Ash, <laughs> and bought the ten inch uh, side snare. Right, um, right. You had to make hundred dollars then, right? Yeah, Tim, yeah. We went and had the ten We had the firecracker, <laughs> uh, natural wood. He would have it two weeks, and I would have it two right. weeks. You know what I mean? We would <laughs> 
you had the uh the Zildjian uh, big gong China. We would right. we ain't got that. Like like everything. I remember Chris Brown, uh Chris Ace Brown from Bridgeport that played for JC White. Yeah, he, he used to change his sneaker because we all saw you do that. So what did he do? When I saw him do that, I went and got my little tennis shoe and put it in my stick bag so that I could put it on with my suit and change. Like I'm telling you, it's 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 the evolution. It's it's all watching you, man. You are yeah. a real like I on your flyer. I put innovator because when I promote this, I'm letting everybody know you changed the game, bro. And it's right. an honor for me to have you with me uh, today, man. Because it. you are my guy for real, man. Like yeah, you literally changed my it. life, yo. That's love. <laughs> I work. That. It's it's funny because you know, like I said, I, I just didn't know how many people I was touching or or you know, how was I how was I getting my message across? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um it's funny because like for instance, like when I played for Mary J. Blige, mm -hmm. you know, like their big thing was, yo, can you play real love? And it's like, yeah. oh, that's nothing. Like, <laughs> that's nothing. Because they had drummers coming in with double pedals yeah. oh trying God. to play real love back Jeez. then. And it's like, bro, I could play this song one pedal. Like, this is nothing. Yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is nothing, right? <laughs> so I got the gig because of that reason. But, um, you know, like I was playing with Guy. Mm -hmm. when I, my first gig was with Guy. But I seen Jeff do it first. Mm -hmm. So Jeff did it first. You know, Teddy had Teddy Riley had Jeff playing double pedal, snare drum in the air, mm -hmm. and then the regular snare drum. Yeah. But like so groove me, the pattern was doom doom do do doom. Doom doom do do doom doom do night doom 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 right? So it's like, nigga, I could play that with one pedal. <laughs> right. But Teddy was like, nah, it's a different sound. Okay. You know, it's a different sound. He needs the separation. Yeah. I mean, I could still, I could, it's like, yo, I could play that with one pedal. Like, yeah. that's nothing. He wants you to play how he programmed it. Yeah, but how he programmed it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and, you know, having an extra clothes hi-hat. Like, we didn't, mm -hmm. no, we didn't know what those things was for. And Teddy kind of put us on those things. And then, you know, none of us knew how to play with microphones, bro. No. Cause I was beating the hell out the drums. One, yeah. one, we had one gear, <laughs> and that was fifth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like yo, like yo, I'm coming through. Like you gonna know I'm back here. Like, mm -hmm. but I had, I had a situation where you know I'm playing with kicks and snares in the mm -hmm. MP, so yeah. I had to be heard through the kicks and snares. Yes. So I never adjusted my volume because. I've always played hard, aggressive, and it matched the drum machine, or yeah. you were able to hear me through the drum machine. Yeah, well, and that's where all those in. freaking accents came from. In yeah. <laughs> cut over the drum machine. You changed the world, man. Yeah. We got my boy Gerald G. Stro Hayward here on yeah, the In The Podcast. This is episode 13 yes, with the sir. legend, man. Um, I know, I know, I know. Don't kill me. Gerald has some amazing stories and it was getting good. But don't worry, we'll be back next week, May 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern, live on Facebook and YouTube for part two of episode 13 with the legend Gerald G. Stro Hayward. Please take a minute to like, share, and repost. Let everybody know that the In The Pocket podcast is dope and that we're putting out premium content. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you again next week, May 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern, part two of episode 13 with the legend Gerald G. Stro Hayward. I'll see you there. Stay in the pocket.